Thank you so much for joining us at Remnant Church Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more or support this ministry, please go to remnantchurch.church. And now, the message from Pastor Caleb. Thank you, Jesus. I want to read this scripture to you. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. We start a new series today entitled, Marked. I have been marked by God. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 lays this out. It says, in him you also were sealed or marked. A seal has been placed upon you. You can't see it right now. What you see today is me and this lack of hair and uh, this body that I have. And that's what you see today. But what you cannot see is I've been marked by God. Are y'all going to help me preach this morning? Are y'all going to make me preach by myself? I have been marked by the Spirit. You don't see it, but God sees something in me because he placed it on the inside of me. Uh, let me say it like this. I've been branded by the Spirit of God. Oh, my last name's Lancaster, but my God calls me righteous. My first name's Caleb, but God calls me holy. Uh, my middle name's Michael, but God says I am redeemed. I am his child. I am his son. And you too have been marked by God. In him you also were marked, sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. When? When you heard the word of truth and believed. This is the gospel of our salvation. And you have been branded, seared, sealed, marked by God. Today, I want to try to teach, preach, expositionally go over. That means taking each verse and looking at it, uh, but also I want to summarize it. And I, so I got all these things I want to do, uh, and we'll just see how it works out, okay? Genesis chapter 38. Now, I'll go ahead and tell you this is a wild story. If you hadn't ever read this story in Genesis chapter 38, you would have never heard it in children's church, by the way. Uh, and youth pastors wouldn't dare teach it to their students. There's no way. But you came here to Remnant Church, and there's part of you, the reason you like Remnant Church is because you never know what I'm going to say. Or you really never know, quite know that. Some of y'all, that's the only reason y'all come. You never know what's going to happen. And uh, so we're going to dive into this. Now, this is nestled right into the story, in the story that you have heard before, which is the story of Joseph, who has many brothers, right? And uh, God gives Joseph a dream, and nobody likes the dream but Joseph. And his, son, his brothers get jealous, right? I think I talked about this last week or a couple weeks ago. His, son, his, his brothers get jealous, and they say, hey, you know, they plot out we're going to kill Joseph. But then one of the brothers say, no, 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 no. Let's not kill him. Let's sell him. We don't want the blood on our hands. Hey, he's our brother. We don't really want to kill our brother, do we? Let's just sell him. Judah is, and this man's name is Judah. This was the brother that chose to do that. And Judah is a, what he suffers with more than anything is he suffers with compromise. 
See, he said, let's not kill him. But let's not keep him. Let's just sell him. You see, compromise is doing things that aren't as bad as other things other people do. Uh, so you say like, uh, well, I, I know I should be doing this, but I just do this. It's not quite as bad, right? We understand what compromise is, right? But compromise is dangerous. And it's so dangerous and it's so important that God said, I want to show you a story right in the middle of a story. And that's what was going on here. And this nestled, this story of this brother named Judah. <laughs> the writer is talking about Joseph and his brothers. And then it just detours for a moment and gives one chapter, verse 38, to Joseph's brother named Judah. And it is a wild story. Are you ready? Say, Pastor. I can handle this. I'm an adult. I'm not going to laugh. I'm not going to make snar remarks to my spouse. Y'all, so y'all are going to do that. I got you. Okay, okay. I see how far we could go with that. Okay, all right, here we go. At that time, Judah left his brothers. He done sold Joseph into slavery. It was his idea. And, and now we're going to uh, go to Judah and pick up his life here. Judah leaves his brothers and he settles near an Adulamite named Hira. Now, so the people group is the Adulamites. And this one particular person, his name is Hira. And this is an important person in this chapter because wherever Hira is at, there's trouble. Okay? And I would just point out, here's the first thing that Judah does to compromise God's call on his life. And let me just say this, Judah is called by God. In fact, the word Judah means praise. In fact, I named my son, me and my wife named our son Judah. It's got great significance. But Judah had a problem with compromise. Anybody ever got saved and then took some detours once you were saved? So y'all gonna lie. Anybody after you got saved took some detours along the way. Uh, let, let me break it down. You chose the flesh. You done what you wanted to do sometimes. Anybody instead of following after the spirit? Absolutely. And here we see Judah who's been called by God. He sold his brother into slavery. Act of compromise. And then we see here he starts his life. And he starts out on the wrong foot. He leaves his brothers and he settles near an Adulamite. He got close to, what's the problem with an Adulamite? An Adulamite is a, is a godless person. It's not the, they don't serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They don't serve Jehovah. And the Bible says he settled near an Adulamite named Hira. And this is what I'm trying to get to you. The first point I want to say, and it's, I got 30 verses, y'all, and that's verse one. Are you ready? It, this is point one. Uh, be careful who you, you can take a picture of this, you get close to because toxic connections can be crucial. Now, hear me out. 
I'm not saying once you get saved that you don't need to be, be around sinners. I'm not saying that. You most definitely need to give an opportunity, have connections with people who are lost so that you can present the gospel to them. But you cannot saturate yourself with people that do the things that you were called out uh, do you hear me? What I'm saying is if you've been saved and you used to be an alcoholic, I said used to be an alcoholic because the Bible says old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. So if you used to be an alcoholic, God saved you last week, you don't need to go start a ministry in the bar. Say amen. You just probably don't need to do that. You need to have that open connection with people to be able to sow into their lives. You don't need to begin to think you're too good for everybody. I've seen some people get saved and then they can't be around nobody else. They, 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 they so saved that they ugly now. They treat people dirty. They're so saved now that they're sanctimonious and full of themselves. That's not the salvation I'm talking about. But I am saying I want to warn you, be careful who you get close to. Because when you get saved, you will make new connections, healthy connections, healthy relationships, because connections are crucial. This is the first thing I see where Judah went wrong. He started getting near people that wasn't his people. He left his brothers. He settled near, near an Adulamite named Hira. Uh, then he starts his life. He, here's another compromise, y'all. He should have married someone that he was equally, the Bible says, yoked with. Someone who served his God. But he didn't. Here's compromise number two. He marries, don't even give her the name, y'all. We don't even know this lady's name. Shua's daughter is what it says. A Canaanite. In other words, he seen a can he was walking down the road one day and headed to the grocery store or somewhere, and he seen a Canaanite cutie. And he said, uh, I think I'd like to know her. Let me find out who her daddy is. That's how it worked. And he found out, they arranged it, and he got married to this lady. He took her as a wife. They had relations, and they had three sons. The first name, the first boy's name was Ur, E-R, E-R, y'all. There wasn't that many names to choose from back then. The book was short. There wasn't that many people. Ur, they said, oh, I like Ur. So they called him Ur. Well, Ur was wicked, the Bible says. Y'all can read this along with me if you want to. I'm going to summarize it for sake of time. Uh, so he, he gives birth, they give birth to Ur. Well, Ur is wicked. Ur is wicked, but, but before he, but, but let me go to this, but he finds him a Ur, a wife. That was the way they done it. I used to think, when I read this about arranged marriages, I used to think, this is so bad. Like, who would want to be a part of an arranged marriage? Like, that is so terrible that the father would find his son a wife or his father would find his daughter a, uh, a husband but I have a little girl now and she's uh, 10 years old and I'm kind of thinking that the arranged marriages are not that bad of a thing anymore <laughs> I'll let me find you a husband he passes my test you can marry him so back then this was important this was the way they done things arranged marriages so we got her a wife and she was also not of the same faith. I didn't say this in the first part, but 
in the first uh, service today. But I'll say this. I have seen more people get messed up by people they have relationships with than anything else in this church. I see people serving the Lord, living for God, on fire for God, and then they... They get hooked up with a Canaanite cutie. They get hooked up with somebody that wasn't dancing in, in, the ha- in, in the church house. They was dancing in somebody else's house. You hear what I'm saying? Uh, and it messes them up. Huh. Same way. He, he marries this, 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 this godless woman. They get, they get together. It's Judah's fault. He arranges it. Well, the Bible says Ur is wicked. Okay? Ur is wicked. He gives her this woman named Tamar to marry. That's, who, that's the woman. He said, uh, Judah said, I want you to marry uh, Tamar. And that's what he does. Well, Ur is wicked and God kills him, y'all. Just kills him. You say, that's so bad. Well, God does what he wants to do. When he wants to do it, how he wants to do it. And you can ask God why he done that. I think he was giving him grace and spared his life because wicked people reap wicked things. Do you hear me? It was an act of grace. So Ur's dead. So now here's where we get a strange, something strange happens. But this was the way it worked back then, y'all. It was now the responsibility of Judah to tell his other son, you go and marry Tamar and have her son. Now this would be, you get what I'm saying? This is now Onan's responsibility. So he has three sons, Ur, Onan, and he really wanted a girl, the last one, and he named, but he didn't have a girl. He named him Sheila, though, instead. So you got Ur, Onan, and Sheila. So so he has to get Onan. So listen, Onan. He was a barbarian, by the way. Do y'all get that? Y'all don't think it's funny? <laughs> I'm nervous, y'all preaching this. This is some nervous stuff. I, I, so humor comes out. All right, so anyway. So he, he says, Onan, sleep with your brother's wife. Perform your duty as her brother-in-law and produce an offspring for your brother. That was the way it worked back then. He didn't do anything wrong. That's just how it worked back then. That was the law back then. You'll find it in, I think, Leviticus. You'll start reading where that was the law. That was the responsibility. Onan said, okay. So Onan does that. He, 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 He has relations with Tamar, but he doesn't, he just doesn't go all the way. You understand what I'm saying? He uses a very primitive, and I'm not laughing, he uses a very primitive form of birth control. I'll say it like that. He doesn't go all the way, and it angers God. Okay? And God kills Onan. Did you know that? He kills Onan. He was evil in the Lord's sight, so he put him to death. And I want to stop here. Here we see more compromise. We see Onan lacking the benefits of sex, but not the commitment. How do we turn that to make it spiritual? This is how we do it. Point number two. We love the benefits of being saved. Put point number two up there. 
We love the benefits that come with Christ, but we don't like the idea of commitment. Somebody say amen. amen. He was willing to lay with her, but he did not want to have a son with her. Are y'all with me? We like being rescued from hell. We like the fact that we're not going to hell, but we don't like the fact sometimes we struggle with committing to live like God wants us to live. Not only am I his child, but I am his child in his house, and if I'm in his house, then I've got to live under his rules. We like the benefits that come with Christ, but we don't like the idea of commitment. God kills Onan. Here now we've got Tamar who was upset. She can, she, all she wants to do is have a child. To not have a child, to not be able to have a child, people would think you're cursed by God. Back then to not have a child, it was a terrible, to not be able to, 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 not to, be able to reproduce was a terrible thing for a woman. It, uh, it was, she was looked down on. In fact, the woman at the well suffered from things like this. Very possibly she suffered with infertility. That's why she had as many husbands as she did. And she would have to go get water during the middle of the day. Why? Because of the shame and the guilt. So you could imagine Tamar, what she's going through, all the shame and all the guilt. And now two people have died. God has killed and she's thinking I'm cursed. So what does her father-in-law do? Her father-in-law thinks she's cursed as well. And he says, go back to your, get out of here and go to your daddy's house. I don't want anything else to do with you. Now, he was supposed to give his other son, the one named Sheila. But this father said, there ain't no way I'm giving you another son. I've, I've got you hooked up with two of my sons and both of them's dead. I'm not giving you my last son. But that's not what God wanted him to do. God, that was God's intended plan for him to give him his son. That's the way it was supposed to be. But he sends her on. He says, Tamar, you get out of here. You go back to your daddy's house. Forget all of it. He lied to her. He said, I'll give you my son when he gets older. But he had no intentions of giving Tamar his son. So time goes on. Tamar realizes that he lied to her. She is still without a son. During this time, Judah has lost two sons. He's raising his third son. While he's raising his third son, his wife dies. Now Judah is wifeless, and he's lost two of his children. And he's mourning. He's upset. Uh, verse 12 it says after a long time Judah's wife the daughter of Shua died and when Judah had finished mourning he and his friend Hira here there's Hira again y'all Hira the Adulamite went up to Timnah to his sheep shears so they're going to go and get some sheep sheared notice Hira's here what was the first mistake that Judah made getting close to Hira. Here's point number three. 
Some of y'all may be mourning today. Maybe you've lost something. Maybe you are disappointed about something. Maybe there's a relationship in your life that's not working out like you wanted it to. Maybe there's some friction in your family. There's some, uh, there's some device, divisiveness in your family and, and you don't even get to talk to your children or you don't get to talk to your grandchildren or maybe something happened like that. I don't know. Maybe there's some, uh, something going on in your relationships with your husband or your wife and, and you are mourning. Maybe you've, someone has died and you've lost someone in your family or maybe you've lost a job or maybe your finances have, have just, just went to pot and, and, and you are mourning something. You are upset about something. Something I learned a long time ago, misery loves company. Have you ever heard of that? Here's point number three. Be careful. Is that point number three? Here's point number three. You can take that one away. Here's point number three. You better be careful who comes to you in the name of comfort. I've seen more people get messed up in their mourning. I know I'm preaching the truth now. When they're sorrowful over something, that's when the enemy will come in. While you're weak in your mind, weak in your spirit, so they'll come in in the name of comfort to help you, but they're actually on an assignment from the enemy to destroy you. Amen. And here come Hira. Man, I heard you lost. Man, I hate to hear about Onan. We all know about Ur. And then I just heard your wife died. Why don't we go shear some sheep? Come on over, let's, 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 let me help you get better. Anywhere Hira's at, there's a mess. Here Hira's come on the scene. And you know what happens? They get up and on their way to go shear some sheep, Judah sees a prostitute. Well, meanwhile, Tamar, here's where it gets weird, y'all. Oh, it's already weird. It gets weirder. Tamar says, hey, I heard that uh, Judah is coming over here. He's going to be over here uh, uh, at the entrance of the city. And uh, I just heard his wife died. And you know what? Sheila, his son, he's old enough to be my husband, but he ain't got no intentions on getting us together and, and giving me his son. I'm gonna take matters into my own hands. And he found, and that's a lesson in there too. He found that, she found out where he was going. So she took off her widow clothes. By the way, they designated you as a widow or as a beggar by what you wore. So when they seen her, they knew she was a widow, that she was barren, she could not bear children, that people looked on her with shame and disgust. So before we judge Tamar too much, we need to understand this was a woman who was desperate. She was tired of being looked down on. She was tired of being talked about. Before you judge somebody, put, get, put yourself in their shoes. You can, hey, you can never minister to anybody you look down on. Until you can look at them in the eye and look at them through eyes of grace, you will never be able to help them. 
So Tamar says, I'm taking off these widow clothes. I'm going to put on some harlot clothes. I don't know what that looked like, but she signified these clothes that once signified she was a widow. Now she's put on some harlot clothes, some clothes that say she is a prostitute. And when Judah saw her, see, compromise just don't go a little, a little ways and then just leave you alone. See, the Bible says Satan comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. The Bible says that he's seeking whom he may devour. If you think this is a game, living for God, then you are completely 100% fooled. Men, if you think you can live in sin and it not affect your family, you are a fool. Uh, let me talk just a minute to men right now. If you think you can live any old kind of way and it doesn't affect your children and it doesn't affect your wife, hold on, break. Let me take a break right now. The end game, men don't like to be, you know, men, you're going to shut me down while I'm talking to you about this because you don't like to be pointed fingers at and all that. And I understand, so I'm sorry about doing that. But let me just say this. You are a protector. Men are protectors of their home. So let me, let me let you in on something real quick. You are not the end game. It's more than you. If Satan can get you, then he gets the wife and he gets the children and it affects generations. So if you don't want me talking about you, let me talk about that which you care about more than anything, your family, because you're not the end game. He wants you and your family. Judah saw her as a prostitute, but he didn't realize, y'all, that it was his sister, a daughter-in-law. And that's what compromise does. One opportunity, one decision at a time. What does it do? Here's point number three. Put that point up that you put up. Compromise will cause your judgment and vision to become cloudy. And you'll, become to, you'll begin to do things you said you would never do. Is anybody listening to me? You'll begin to do things, go places that you said you would never go. And I don't know, some of us have had this thing where we woke up and thought, my God, how did I get here? It wasn't just like that, friend. It wasn't just one moment. It was decisions of compromise, decisions of conformity that led you here. It looks like you got there overnight, but it wasn't. It was a life's journey that got you where you're at. Compromise, one compromise at a time. Compromise will cause your judgment and vision to become cloudy. So here's Judah now propositioning this prostitute that is actually his daughter-in-law. They make an arrangement. Of course, you pay for the services of a prostitute. That's the reason they're prostitutes. And he said, she said, what can you give me? He said, I'll give you a goat. <laughs> That's funny to me. But we're not supposed to be laughing. Uh, I'll give you a goat. She said, I'll take you up on that. But how do I know you're going to give me a goat? She said, you're going to have to give me something now. See, Satan doesn't give. He takes Pull my pants up and then we'll preach. Okay? Satan is not going to give you anything but trouble. Satan, though, is a taker. 
He takes things from you. He steals from you. He kills you. He destroys you. He takes joy. He takes peace. He takes these things from you. Satan is a taker. And she said, listen to what Tamar said. She said, what you going to give me? He said, I'll give you a goat. He said, yeah, but I don't know. She said, yeah, I don't know if I can trust you though. Give me something now. And what did he do? He gave her a ring, some cords, and a staff. Kind of like, I was trying to think the other day. There's been some times, but I don't remember when, that I have, like, maybe went to a store or something uh, and didn't, maybe I left my wallet or left my debit card or somewhere or something and I said listen I'm going to come right back and pay you I promise and then I'd say something like here listen because they'd look at me like I don't know if I can trust you or not you know what I'm talking about and then I would say well okay listen I'm going to leave my driver's license with you you need a driver's license right I'm going to leave my driver's license with you and I'm going to come back and I'm going to pay for that fudge round and those two coats and that one bottle of Yoo-Hoo. Okay? And I give them my ID. And what do I do, Jane? I go back, go in my house. I get my money out, break my piggy bank open. I go back to the grocery store and I say, hey, I'm back. And I get my ID back. That ring that Judah had, that he gave her, it wasn't just a ring. It was a signet ring. In other words, on this ring, it said on there, Judah or J or something that everybody knew. If they found that ring, it belonged to Judah. On the staff that he had, on that staff, somewhere it signified that this staff belonged to Judah. What am I saying? I'm saying this. The end game from Tamar for, for, for Tamar wasn't that she was going to get a goat. She could care less about the goat. She wanted a child. But not only did she want a child, she was going to set up blackmail. So that if you ever tried to say anything about this, Come on, somebody. I got your ID. What is the end game of this? Now, so let me put this together for you. What is the end game? What is the end game of compromise? To steal your identity. Y'all don't want to help me. Now, that was good, y'all. To steal your identity. What do I mean by that? And this is what Satan wants to do. Anybody ever, ever sinned since you got saved? Anybody? Me, mama. You did? <laughs> What'd you do? <laughs> I won't tell nobody. <laughs> no, we all have, hadn't we? Now let me tell you how Satan works. Some of y'all hadn't got this yet. You've been saved for 50,000 years and you ain't got this yet. 
when you fail, and you will. See, we blame Satan on a lot of stuff, y'all. And Satan's not like, I really didn't do that. <laughs> but I mean, it, whatever. We blame a lot of stuff on Satan that he doesn't do. But let me tell you one thing I know he does do. After you fail, Satan swoops in like a buzzard on a dead carcass. He swoops in and he begins to talk to us. Now here's the thing. Satan came not with... How did, what is, how's the Bible talk about Satan? As an angel of light. You know when Satan talks to me, you know who he sounds like? Me. That's why I sometimes listen to that sorry joker because I think it's me saying it. He don't come out and say, hey, this is the devil. What the heck are you up to, man? I got some things I want to tell you. No, he doesn't announce that he's here and he sounds just like me. And this is what he says after I fail. And this is what he said to you after you fail. You ain't really saved. Jane, if you were really saved, you wouldn't have had that attitude you had with that person yesterday. Keith, if you was really saved, you wouldn't have said what you said to me. What did you say to me? I'm <laughs> testing you out to see you've been talking about. You wouldn't have said what you said behind pastor's back the other day. You ain't saved. There ain't nobody in that church that you go to struggles like you do and does what you've just done. Look what you've done. You have become the very thing you said you didn't want to be. The very reason why you wouldn't go to church is because you said that church is full of hypocrites. Now this is Satan talking, but he sounds like you. And he says, and now look, you are nothing but a hypocrite. Why don't you quit? You aren't even saved. You are the biggest fraud. You are the biggest hypocrite in that church. Anybody heard that? What is Satan trying to do at that moment? He's trying to get you to believe that you are not who God said you are. You are what you have done. Is anybody listening to what I just, just said? He is trying to get you to believe that you are not what God said you are. That you are not marked by God. That what happened to you was not real. And that you are a hypocrite. He's trying to get you to believe that you are what you just done. That you are your latest failure. In essence, he's trying to steal your identity. Take your ring. Take your staff. To get you believe, to believe you are not who God said you are. The other day, three years ago, y'all. <laughs> That's like what old people do. It is. The other day. Three years ago, y'all, my wife bought me 
an ancestry thing. You know what I'm talking about? These tests. That she wanted to see who my people were. She said, there ain't no way you're all white. And I said, well, maybe I don't matter. I am what I am, baby. The way God made me. No, really, I wanted to see who I was from. Because I thought my mama was lying, to be honest with you. I thought my family had this big old cover-up. So I said, I'm going to find out, really, who my people are. Well, so anyway, she bought me the thing, the test. Do you know how you're supposed to take the test? Let me tell you how you're not supposed to take the test. You're not supposed to take the test and say, oh, look, and my ancestry thing come in. Oh, cool. Wow. Got the test. And you're not supposed to stick it in your pocket. It doesn't work like that, where you stick it in your pocket and then you go about life and you just do what you do and go where you go and then you do that for a month and then it comes back and you send it or you get it out of your pocket. You take it with you everywhere you go and it sees everything you do. And then you go and you put it in the box and you mail it back out. And they, based on where you went and what you've done, is who you are. That's not how it works. You know what they ask? They ask for, for you to uh, administer it in your mouth. To get something from the inside of you. To tell you who you really are. That's how it works. You don't stick it in your pocket and say, well, based on where you went and what you've done, this is who you are. No, it looks for something on the inside of you. And this mark that I'm telling you I've been marked with is on the inside of me. I am not who I, where I go and what I've done. I am who God says I am. Down deep on the inside of me, I have been marked by the Holy Spirit. What is the end game of compromise to steal your identity? Oh, man. What craziness, right? So she sleeps with her father-in-law. They have a baby. But before they have a baby, listen what happens. She, he finds out. He never knows. He, he sends Hira. He says, Hira, go give her that goat. I slept with that prostitute. Go give her the goat. He goes to find her. He can't find her. He said, there ain't no prostitute that looks like that. I, can't, I got your goat. I want to give your goat away, but I can't find nobody to take your goat. I can't find the woman. He said, oh, Lord, look again. She's going to think people are going to talk about me. She's going to tell people about me. Just find her and give her that goat. She's got my ring. He goes back and looks, can't find her. He said, well, I'm just going to go about my life. Three months later, somebody says, hey, Judah, did you hear about your, you your ex-sister, a daughter-in-law? Did you hear about her? She done got pregnant. Won't you pray for her? That's how some of y'all church people do. Hey, I need you to be praying about something. Your daughter-in-law, she done got pregnant. And you don't believe how she done it. She pretended like she was a prostitute. You know what Judah said? This is in the Bible, y'all. You know what he said? 
He said, burner. He said, you get her and bring her out front of this place and we are going to set her on fire. We are going to burn her at the stake. Isn't it amazing how we get more mad at people who sin the same sin, commit the same sins we sin. We don't get near as mad at ourselves as we do others. Uh, burn her! Well, they say, okay, we'll go get her. They go get her. And she's bound up. And they're fixing to burn her. And she gets in her pocket. I don't know if it happens just like this, y'all. But she gets in her pocket and she says, some water on the fire. Uh, I think there's been a misunderstanding. That's my ring she's got. That's my staff. And this is what he said. Before we dog out Tamar, look what, listen to what Judah says. She was more righteous than I. See, all she was trying to do is take the accusation and the shame off of her. She was willing to do whatever she could do to bear a child because that's what she was supposed to do. Judah was the one who wasn't doing what God had asked him to do. The Bible says that Judah says, it's me. She, it's not her. It's me. Now, here's the beautiful thing about this. I believe, because in chapter 44, and you can read it later, I would encourage you to, in chapter 44, it picks back up, or right after, actually 39, picks right back up with Joseph and his brothers and him going into slavery and being locked up and then becoming uh, uh, second in command in Egypt. Okay? And verse 44 talks about where we see a major change in Judah because Judah was always trying to get by, right? Get by with what he could, compromise. But in chapter 44, Judah actually stands up for his brothers. He had already sold one brother into slavery, but something had changed because, uh, because Joseph was getting ready to enact some punishment on his brothers. And Judah was the one who said, um, for the sake of my father, who's already lost a son. And for, for the sake of my brother Benjamin, take me instead. If you want to harm somebody, harm me. That wasn't the Judah, y'all, in chapter 38. Judah, chapter, chapter 38, Judah said, whatever, hey, well, however I got to do this thing to do this thing, whatever it takes to get by, I'm going to do it. But in chapter 44, Judah has already come to repentance. Judah has already received this grace and his life has been changed. And he becomes, you know what? Very Christ-like. Think about it. For my father's sake and my brother's sake, take me. Instead, do you understand what I'm saying? That sounds very Christ-like. Who said, not my will be done in the garden, but Father, your will be done to make many 
sons and daughters. Something happened to Judah. Here's point number five. Through all this craziness, y'all. Anybody think they got a crazy family? Y'all, mine, mine goes up and down, to be honest with you. Sometimes they're crazy. Sometimes they're taking their medicine. Sometimes they... <laughs> but right now they're acting pretty good, I'm going to be honest with you. They all love them acting decent, okay? Most of them. Now, look at point number five. The dysfunction in your past does not disqualify you from your God-destined future. Anybody got some dysfunction in their past? Anybody not got some dysfunction in their past is the better question. All of us do. Now let me share something that amazing that comes out of this jacked up family. The Bible says that they have, that Tamar, you know, was pregnant. Well, she had two sons, twins. One was named Perez, and what was the other one's name? I don't remember. It's in the Bible. Zara. Two sons. Here they come. Imagine the midwife is standing there and uh, Tamar is fixing to have these twins. And the Bible says that the, one of the boys sticks their arm out. Pop. It's in the Bible. Because it's so important who the firstborn is. They got double the inheritance. All these things, it was a very important thing. In fact, Jacob and Esau, do you remember that? Where Jacob tricked Esau for his birthright? It's a big deal. So he pops his arm out. Well, the midwife says, let me tie something on there. This is the firstborn. Surely this is going to be the firstborn. He's already got his arm out. So while his arm's out, she ties a little knot on his arm there. And says, okay, I've got him marked. But then his little arm says, whoop, back in. I think Perez, y'all, yanked him back in, to be honest with you. I think he said, not so fast. You've been eating all the food in here. You ain't coming out first. And he yanks him back. Y'all don't believe this is in the Bible, but it is. And he yanks it back. And Perez, head first. Jumps out and is the firstborn. And in the scripture it says this. What a breakout you have made. <laughs> I just, so good. You made for yourself. That is the whole reason this chapter was put in there. You may have come from dysfunction. You have, may have come from a mess. You may have come from a mama and a daddy who knew nothing but drugs and addiction. You may not even have a daddy in your life. You may not even know your mama and your daddy. You may have been raised up in a foster home. I don't know. You may have been born on the wrong side of the tracks. Dysfunction may have been the ordinary cause of the day. But can I tell you, your dysfunction does not disqualify you when God has marked you. God has marked you for blessing. He has marked you for a calling. He's got a plan for your life 
and you may be feeling like you're breaking, but I'm telling you, you can break out. You can break out of the mess. You can. I've heard pastors say that God don't bless mess. I say, and I used to say amen, thinking that was really smart, and that is not the truth. That's all God does bless is mess, is sinners, is dysfunctional people who are on their way to hell. But God's grace intervenes and makes something, someone out of nobody. What I'm saying this morning and my prayer is, it's already been for this church. Oh God, let me talk about that for just a minute. I can remember when I came to this church, everybody that ever spoke anything into my life was telling me, for the most part, don't go to that church. Don't you go to that church. I only had a few foolish people that would say, I think that's a good idea. I think you ought to do that. One or two people said that, but most of them said, don't go over there. That church has always struggled. It will always struggle. That church never, I had some people say, John, that church should have never been built there. It should have never been built there. They made a mistake when they built it. A mess. But you know what? I felt call, a calling on my life. I felt like for some reason it shouldn't work. I am not the most talented. I am not the most skilled. I don't even have a clue on how to pastor a church. But for some reason, I just think if I, have a, if I believe God, that God will do something that I can't not do for myself. I know that's been broke down. It looks like it's ruined. It looks like the best days are gone. In fact, there was a for sale sign, y'all, in front of the church. But God said, I plan you not to break down, but to break out to break out of this. You hear what I'm saying? God's saying you can break out of it and break into what I want you to be. You haven't made too much of a mess. You haven't done too much. You haven't said too much. I've still called you. I want to tell somebody right here, if you've made a mess of your life, your mess is not bigger than God's promise. Some of you think I've wasted time. You, God is not limited by time. He does not know of this time that you speak of. He is not governed by time. He works outside of a clock and calendars on a wall. He don't know anything about that. He's, he's the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega. Do you hear what I'm saying today? You've not made too much of a, hear me, hear pastor, hear my heart now. You've not made too much of a mess in your life. I've had people come up to me and say, I'm pastor, I'm like that person you mentioned in the Bible. They'll talk about people who've had a horrific past and say, I am that person in the Bible. I say, yeah, you may be, but you're also that person that broke out. You're also that person that God blessed and made a way out of no way. You are the called and the elect and you have been predestined to live this life. Let me tell you something wonderful before I close. Let me tell you how beautiful this breakout story is. In Matthew chapter 1. In the lineage of Jesus, y'all. In other words, this is Jesus' great, 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 Grandma and granddaddy who... Judah 
Tamar. Look, in the lineage of Jesus, in Matthew chapter 1, who's named Judah? But he done all that stuff, yeah, but God used him anyway. God used him in spite of himself. See, this is a story of God's grace and mercy. Who else? There's Perez. What about that sorry, no good Tamar? Look, there's only three women in that whole genealogy, y'all. And there's 21 generations listed in there. And there's only three women. And one of the women listed in the genealogy, he could have listed anybody else. He could have used anybody else. But when Matthew wrote it, he said, Matthew, I want you to write it. And I want you to write in some people that... That I want you to write in some people that people wrote off. People said, Tamar's done too much. Judah's made too much of a mess. Perez, God can't never use them. He said, you write them in in the genealogy of Jesus. Not only did breakout come out of this, but from this dysfunctional family came Jesus. What can't God do in your life? Is anybody listening to pastor right now? What can God not do in your life? Quit making excuses. You are not the product of your raising. You don't have to be like your daddy. You don't have to be like your mama. You don't have to follow in the footsteps that your parents, if it was bad, maybe they were great. You don't have, if it's bad, you don't have to be the drug addict. You don't have to wind up in divorce. You can be a good father to your children. You can live for God. You can break out of the dysfunction. God is calling you. He's marked you. And let me just say this. God uses people that people wouldn't use. And people will mark people and say, they're destined for greatness. They've got all the talent and the ability. At, when, remember, when that baby popped his hand out, the midwife marked him and said, he's the firstborn. But God marked Perez. Even if people don't recognize the calling that God has marked you with. You ain't living for people. Even if people say, you've done too much. You've burned all your bridges. I can't trust you anymore. And they probably got good right to say that. But that's not going to stop what God said was going to happen in your life. Your calling is not a calling of man. Your marking is not a mark of man. You've been marked by God. What is keeping you from doing all that you can do for the Lord? Being all that God's called you to be for the Lord. What is it? You've already been marked. Musicians, singers. Yeah, I want the singers to come. I want the musicians to come. I want everybody that's part of this team to come. I want you to stand up. There's people in my, that I'm close to, y'all. I'd ask you not to leave, but you, if you've got to leave, I guess you can. I mean, we ain't going to keep you. But I'm not going to be much longer. This is the end. I've got people in my life 
that, I'm very, that, I was, that I was very close to. I'm not as close to them anymore because they won't let me be. I've got people in my life, they've made a mess of their life. They love God. And they're called by God. But they chose compromise. And their life is a mess. I had one ask me the other day. Wallering in their mess. He asked me. And this has stuck with me. He said, Pastor. Do you think what I had was fake? No, I don't think it's fake. I don't think it was fake. He said, I know, I know I'm a disappointment. I said, no, you're not a disappointment. I said, you've done some disappointing things. I said, but you're not a disappointment to me. I said, what happened to you was real, man. I said, but you've just made, you've chosen the flesh. You've made a mess out of your life. But it's not too big of a mess. I've seen people bounce back from a lot worse. I want to say to you this morning, that's you've not made too big of a mess. Sometimes the further you fall, the bigger the bounce. The further you fall, the bigger the bounce. And I'm telling somebody today, I'm pouring my heart out to you today. This say this is real. Say made up emotion or something I planned. This is real. You can bounce back today. Why did this graphic, crazy story fall where it did? To give me and you a hope. To give me and you a push to say, God, you can still use me. You won't hear this in a lot of churches. You won't hear this kind of stuff in a lot of places. That's the truth. But this ain't that. those places. This is this place. I'm telling you in this place today, in this moment. You know what the Bible says we're supposed to be ministers of? Reconciliation. And he said this. He said, I've reconciled you. Jesus said, I've reconciled you to the Father. Now you go and be, rec you be reconciled and command others to be reconciled. And live in the ministry of reconciliation. So I can't do this individually. Today, 
my arms open. I'm inviting anybody in who has become distant. I'm saying be reconciled to God. Be reconciled. God's wrapping his arms around you today and saying you haven't done too much and you haven't went too far. I want to ask you today if this is ministered to you and you feel you feel like that's me pastor I have I have I am in dysfunction but I know God's called me I know I know I had an encounter with Jesus I know it's real but I have made a mess. I am in a mess. But I want to come back to God and get my focus back, my focus back to God. If that's you this morning, I want you to come out. You say, Lord, that's embarrassing. Yeah, but there's healing. There's healing stepping out are you coming are you stepping out are you come on you come can I get some people to help me pray are you coming Yeah. Come on. Jesus loves you. You feel his love right now? I know you do. Lay your hands. Father, in the name of Jesus. Will you stretch your hands this way? brothers here saying I haven't always made the right decision I'm in the land wrap your arms out of this mess God you're making a message you're making a message call out on God call out on God Father right now in the name of Jesus oh God right now hallelujah hallelujah in the middle of the mess God's making a miracle God's making a miracle right in this mess. Right in this mess. God's performing a miracle. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. I don't belong anywhere but at home. Oh, Father, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, minister to these ministry. Come on, stretch your hands this way, pray. Real ministry's taking place.
church right now, real ministry. Jesus. Can I get our prayer? Can I get our prayer team to come from the back and come to the front and minister to the front, Jane? Come to minister to the front of them right now in the name of Jesus. say this. Look at me right now at those. Come on. Come on. Hallelujah. 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 Listen to me right now. Listen. God will take your brokenness. This is how God works. He'll take the area that you've been broken in and He'll use you in that area to help heal other people. Jesus said, do you know how Jesus, what He said about Himself as heavenly Jesus? Listen, I am the lion of the tribe of Judah. I came out of that. And what God has delivered you out of, He can use you to help minister to others. Maybe that's what it means when He says, I'll even take what the devil meant for evil. Joseph would say this, what you meant to harm me with, God used it for my good. Father, lift your hands all over this building. We're going to let ministry just continue. Lift your hands all over this building. Father, I thank you now for your word, for healing, for the gospel, for peace, for breakout. I thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for your grace and your love. Now, we're going to go out of here. We're not limited. We're not bound by our past. Our future is in your hands. And we're going to be all that you called us to be. I thank you for meeting us here today. Now, Lord, as these are praying and being ministered to, they stay here as long as they want to. For you this morning in this congregation, we end this prayer by saying, Lord, we thank you today. We thank you today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. I love you. I'm praying for you. We hope that you were encouraged by today's message. If you were, please feel free to share on social media, subscribe, or leave us a review. We can't wait for you to join us here again.